Hi, and welcome back to another Totem Talks. I'm here with the Mr. Incredible, Mark Smith. Mr. Incredible. Mr. Incredible. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I'm Helen Fruin. And today we're talking about all things online, mostly because now life is mostly online. Uh, but I guess also there's something about how we're learning stuff about using digital technology that we can use for the longer term. And Mr. Smith, I know you have some strong views on how people are using Zoom and WebEx and Skype. Do share. Are they strong views? I'm not sure they are strong views. I think they are experienced views. I have noticed in the last several weeks that a number of our uh, competitors have suddenly become online learning experts. And I think um, I'm curious to know how they got there so quickly. But yeah, I do have some views. Um, I, I've, I've been doing online store stuff for a little while now, so I've got a fair handle on this. And I do have some insights to share, but so do you, so do you. Well, and I think it's interesting when you talk about people saying they're online learning experts, what do we mean by online learning? Because I know lots of people who I would put way above us in terms of um, online training mm. so delivering e-learning packages so you, you've perhaps got a platform a system that can run uh, here's a video here's an activity here's a, a kind of role play even using AI to respond to the role play responses that you give that's incredible stuff and we we don't have any of that kind no, of technology we're, we're, piece. we're not there we're not no. there and we don't want to be there either. we don't want to be there we always set out to be more of the kind of human involvement psychology consultancy piece rather than the pure e-learning provider so I think what's interesting is that for me we are expert facilitators of learning so we're much more in that sort of coaching behavioral change learning space and what we've done over the past what five six years is look at how we take that experience online rather than try and match an e-learning and, and for me e-learning is more like training it's it's quite a different experience to the face-to-face -face coaching facilitation approach. Um, so yeah, it all seems a bit fluffy trying to separate those two out, but I guess there's something about us being facilitators of behavioral change learning and taking that online. I think I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> if I get it. If I, if I get it, I think I agree with you. I think there is a, a definite distinction between e-learning. So if I'm learning how to put a tire on a car, and I'm going to watch YouTube, that's, right. that's e-learning. I think where you're trying to teach a behavioral change, that's not e-learning in a sense. That's that's behavioral conditioning to some degree. And I don't think you're going to get that kind of learning or that take up of the learning mm -hmm. from simply watching a video. So I think where companies like ours do begin to add value to online learning is where we can take the psychology piece and then begin layering that into the learning structure and to some degree the environment in which the learner is learning. Exactly. And that's the thing for me about having it. So say you're on a Zoom meeting with 12 other people and you're sharing ideas, you're sharing experiences relevant to your context. You're then going to use that learning in a Zoom call with your colleagues. So there's something actually about really good context-specific learning here, which is quite useful. I think your phrase at the moment is um, experiential yeah. learning. You seem to have a, a little thing for this everywhere we go at the moment. Well, experiential learning has been around for a very long time. It's not a new concept and it's not a new concept for us as a business. I think what's happened for me in the past 12 months is more of a 
you know, if, if I'm going to spend my time honing in on something, I've spent the past 12 months really honing in on how to make learning experiential. And I'm quite enjoying the challenge of how to make online learning experiential. So we're running role plays in breakout rooms. We're running uh, essentially a kind of forum theatre activity using Zoom. So we're playing with the experiential best aspects of our face-to-face learning and looking at how we translate them online. And obviously, we're not the only people to be doing that. I was on a, a WebEx being delivered by SHL, one of the bigger fish in our environment. And they, they've they really developed some interesting stuff mm. in the last, I want to say four weeks, but according to their VP of sales, it's been a little bit longer than that. And that, as you say, they've introduced some artificial intelligence into the way that they are managing uh, candidates experience whether they're on a development center or an assessment center it is clever I mean we talked about something similar maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. but the software really wasn't available to do what they're now doing and it's I think it's I think it's the future their case studies in terms of their delivery times and their uptake rates as well have been really really fascinating um, and so if anyone's curious I think they've called it VADC Okay, that would be surprising. That would be surprising. Because ah, one of their competitors is called ADC so and they have the... they've the Virtual Assessment and Development Centre. Okay. Actually, they might be okay because ADC was bought out by oh, PSI. So I guess ADC as a brand doesn't exist anymore. Probably right? not. But yeah. I, I was, my ears pricked up when, yes. I, when I heard what they'd called yes. it. <laughs> so, <ooh. laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, ADC run a brilliant online uh, assessment and development centre as well. I'm but not familiar with that one. Yeah, it's a really well, and yeah. So we've got to do some comparing and contrasting of the two best products on the market, which I now believe are A and D C or PSI uh, and SHL. So I think it'll be really interesting because to take those to our clients and say we can now run assessment and development centres like we always have for you, but nobody has to pay for travel, hotels. The meeting rooms. Meeting rooms are one of the hardest things to sort out. Uh, getting all of your, uh, in a law firm, it's getting the partners available. In banks, it's about senior directors being available to support the process. And the cost actually, to the business, when you take in that seniority, it's just huge, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So to actually outsource that, make it online, and then get those partners or senior directors involved for a kind of wash-up session that's far more than about getting their expertise and their views on the assessment. It's a much better use of everybody's time and resources. So I think it's a big opportunity for our clients to be more efficient. Absolutely. Uh, I'm actually quite excited. I think what's been fascinating, the one thing that many people have said to me over the last four weeks in any industry that they're working in is the speed with which people have had to Mm. adapt. Usually, I mean, technology companies in particular, usually it takes them a year to create a vetting process for people to have Zoom right. calls and WebExes. Now it's just a case of get it done. Yeah. And all of, not just our clients, but some of our friends are in this position where they've made maybe two years worth of decisions in less than three weeks. Yeah. And I think there's a there's obviously a danger within that and you're going to have dropped a few balls somewhere mm-hmm. and you won't find out for a little while. But in the meantime, it's all really quite exciting. I'm, I'm actually quite enjoying myself <laughs> at the moment. Things are moving quickly. Things are moving quickly, finally. Yeah. Things are moving quickly. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is quite an exciting time in that sense Yeah. Um, to, be, to be working in our industry. Yeah. 
And so I suppose aside from our specific looking at online learning, online assessments, I was interested in hearing your views on just some of the more basic things like how people use Skype or Zoom. Um, when I was talking earlier about you having strong views, that's what I was talking about because you seem to get quite upset when people aren't using their webcam properly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the simplest one. I mean, come on, people. Uh, why does a webcam have to be pointed up your nose? <laughs> There's no good reason for a webcam to be pointed directly up your schnozcomber for me to see what what you may or may not have sniffed for breakfast that morning. It's outrageous. Please just get the camera to eye level, point it, you know, vertically at your face as opposed to, or horizontally at your face, whichever one it is, but not up your nose. Um, and I think the other one as well, which you experimented with this morning was um, wherever possible, turn off your face. Right. On a where Zoom, you where you can face. see yourself. Um, yeah. I think that's, Okay, I, I often see people getting quite distracted about what they look like when they're on a call to me. And that is a perfectly natural response. Imagine if you walked around everywhere with a mirror and then gave it to the person you were talking to and said, hold that hold up. Hold this whilst I talk hold to you. Hold this up, to, please, whilst, you talk, whilst I'm talking to you. Yeah. And I think it makes sense from the perspective of, actually, have I got spinach in my teeth? Is my hair all, well, is your hair all messy? <laughs> Um, Am I in shot? I mean, that's great. Am so, I? Yeah, exactly. You know, is, the, is the camera pointing up my nose, right? So there are some great things about checking your own picture. Um, but yeah, a friend suggested to me, why don't you just put a post-it note over your picture so that then you've checked your in shot, you've not got spinach in your teeth, now cover over your picture with a post-it note so you don't spend... Because you're absolutely right, you can see people mm. that they're flicking their eyes between looking at you and looking at them because it's really distracting. I think there's something in there about cognitive load. Yeah. I think that's probably where it is that you, you, you're so unfamiliar with seeing yourself whilst you speak and because of various social expectations these days about do I look good, am I presentable, do I look professional, you do place a lot of your mental capacity on managing your own appearance and uh, to have to do that constantly whilst also trying to have a sales call, perhaps whilst trying to influence or engage Difficult somebody. Difficult negotiation. You know, you're going to be taking yeah. up 40% of your brain space with something completely useless. Absolutely. So just just dial that thing off, get it off, whatever it, whatever it takes. Yeah. Make it disappear, please, is, is tip number two. If we're going to go for tips. There we go. Yeah. Number three, actually, and this is, this is what bugged me a little bit about the SHL webinar, is that it's only just a new thing is test, test, test. Now, I'm not trying to be glib with the current COVID-19 things, but if you're playing with the technology, before you roll it out or before you start using it regularly, please just test it with lots of people. For the people who are either listening it on the podcast or particularly the eagle-eyed amongst you on YouTube, you'll notice that our microphones are pointing the right way up today. <laughs> So is there actually the advice, test, 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 and read the instruction manual? I did read the instruction. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm a man. I just went, yeah, plug it in, off we go. Uh, but yeah, there is, you know, you need to test it. And I think because in our profession, in, in the HR sort of realm, there is, there is a, a, a glibness to the way people often talk about HR within the rest of the business. And... I think for our credibility, we can often come across a lot better if we just nail it the first time. Right. 
and it doesn't have to be the first time from our perspective but often the first time from their perspective if what we are doing is being done well it just gives us our credibility it makes people go oh that was actually really good i want to do that again right. as opposed to clearly hr have got no idea what they're doing that doesn't surprise me let's ignore all of the hard effort they've gone to that tends to be what happens particularly with a new technology where you really don't know what the buttons all do you really don't know how to save files and little things like that so yeah test 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 is absolutely and i yeah we obviously proof of that with our microphones being switched on and the right way up <laughs> and hopefully the sound is better today so yeah it should be a lot better using the technology appropriately mm. Woo! excellent so i guess the other thing to explore about online stuff is how we're building social connections because one of the challenges that we have right now with everybody being remote is how we building relationships when the best we've got is seeing your face in this very kind of 2d set up on skype zoom whatever platform you're using um, so i wonder if there's something here about what advice we could give or what challenges there are about building those social connections i think a few minutes before and after a zoom session let's let's just work on this on the assumption that we're communicating to our peers mm -hmm. through a monitor mm -hmm. uh, for the foreseeable future i think giving each other the space to just have a blurb five or ten minutes before so right often when we send an invitation it says you know meeting starts at two o'clock for example and you get straight down to business mm -hmm. that's all well and good if you've got a really specific targeted thing you're all really good friends already but i think when you're trying to bring people in and build trust you need to give time for people to be themselves to talk about their lives um, and to maybe drop the professional guard for just a minute or two yeah before launching into the main event whatever that may be yeah totally agree with that we were actually um, chatting with a client about setting up online learning sessions and for the first session, so you've got maybe 20 people coming together, uh, that is Zoom that they use. So you've got 20 people going to turn up. I don't think you can even see 20 tiles. So that means you've got to flick across the screen to see 20 people. How are you going to form some form of rapport with these people? Now, it's great when we get into breakout rooms. We can do that in groups of four, six, brilliant. But that initial kind of, hi, I'm Helen. I work in Amsterdam and I'm doing this at the moment how's that going to work on zoom and actually just taking you know it might actually be a half an hour call the day before the learning starts to build those relationships could be really useful mm. uh, so we're going to experiment with that because is that more beneficial to give people space to do it then or do we say we lose the first half an hour of the learning experience to enable those social connections because the important thing for learning is to be in a, in a state of safety. We need to feel that psychological safety. And if I'm really worried about, you know, is someone on this screen more senior than me? Is somebody maybe best friends with my boss? Could they have a negative impact on my career? I don't know how open I can be. All of that panic, again, cognitive load, is going to stop us from being in a safe learning space. So it seems worthwhile doing that investment up front to form that social connection and trust. Mm. And I think breakout rooms come into that as well. Uh, my learning experience with the Open University in particular right. uh, was, was enhanced by their use of breakout rooms. So smaller virtual spaces where you'd have the main group of, say, 20 people, and then you'd go into a room of two to three where you would talk about the topic or you would share personal insights. And 
whilst it's very weird at first, when you get to the point where you know you've got no other choice, you're just going to get on with it mm. and you embrace it. I think it it worked really well, mm. and I think the the key with this, and I I read this in one of my gym exercises a few days ago, was leave your ego at the door. If you do that, you'll have a much better experience with okay. a number of things. Your ego will get well in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, we experienced that uh, on Sunday with the 2.6 challenge. Oh my goodness, that hurt. So this is, for anybody who didn't come across this, this was because the London Marathon wasn't going ahead. Uh, do a 26, I don't know what it's called, the 2.6 challenge instead of 26. Or was it the 2.6 challenge? I'm not sure. Maybe, what it, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, the point was to do something uh, to raise money for charities in a different way. So maybe you do 26 laps of your garden, uh, 26 sit-ups. We did a CrossFit thing and we're not CrossFitters. At all. It hurt. It really hurt. But even within that relatively low-key very relaxed environment there's maybe 20 people on a zoom um and i noticed that some of the people who'd gone had gone hard and gone fast and i tried to keep up with them and i thought after after 26 no it's not the point after 26 burpees i can tell you i was not going to be keeping up with them and i think for me that was about two burpees (laughs) i I think i managed two as well (laughs) but the point was that when I dropped my competitiveness, when I dropped my right. ego, and I focused on what I'd actually been asked to do, yeah, I had a much better time. And the same has been true, true with the Open University. Whenever I go into one of those breakout rooms with my own agenda, or I've got that sort of that cognitive load, if you like, in terms of this is what I want to project, mm. I, I do sometimes drop a ball. And it's it's just about being open and honest as you walk into yeah. these spaces, and to recognise that ninety percent of the people in there are in exactly the same boat. The other 10 either aren't aware that they're in that boat or they've got something they're trying to communicate or sell to you, in which case, don't worry about them at all. (laughs) I think that's a really interesting challenge because we can't force our delegates to leave the ego at the door. It's a really difficult challenge. Um, But we can certainly have this conversation with them and encourage that different mindset. Mm -hmm. So lots of interesting challenges about our world moving online. Uh, I think there's probably more detailed sessions for us to run on this about online learning specifically and online assessment specifically. Uh, so stay tuned for more on that. That seems like an ideal place to call an end to today's chit chat. As always, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, hit us up on hit us up. Oh my God, I just said that out loud. Yeah, you did. My apologies, everybody. You may Please f- click the subscribe button on YouTube or Spotify or your chosen platform. You all know what to do. Just follow the podcast in any format you like. And have a great day. Thank you.